Welcome to Build. This is Maggie. Today I have Ravi Dave, the SVP of products at GooderX, on the show. I found a kindred spirit in Ravi. So in this episode, we get into what the PM role actually is, the role of the why, and how having strong opinions is the most important thing for product managers. I hope you enjoy it. Ravi, welcome to the show. Nice to have me, Maggie. I'm excited to chat with you. Yes. So today I'm really excited because we're going to talk about what the product manager role actually is. I think we talked about this before, but at big companies, it's pretty easy to fall into a place where what you're doing as a PM feels like you're just writing specs or writing requirements and looking at test results. But you have this awesome phrase, which is product isn't just writing specs and looking at tests. So where I want to start is like, what brought that up for you? And where, how, like, how did that become a theme that you were seeing? And then we can, of course, get into what the role actually is after that. Yeah. So I, w- I would say like any role, product design, engineering, there's sort of like the functional responsibilities. And in product, very much like if you looked at like a job rack, there's like define requirements and work with designer produce wires. And I find that those descriptions often like kind of, they really summarize like the table stakes part of the job. Obviously you have to do those things. And if you're not able to, it's really hard to be effective. But the real, real challenge in product management is the soft skills the PMs that are able to sort of look beyond sort of the the functional stuff and focus a lot of their energy on how to empathize with their stakeholders, interpret data about competition, like work with stakeholders, like those aspects of the job, which maybe aren't in the description as clearly sort of specified, I I think really are the, the difference between a great product manager and a good product manager. I've been thinking about this a lot because I've been working on a career ladder for Drift, and it's really easy to say, okay, well, you have to write this document and you have to go to this meeting, but it's a lot harder to describe you're responsible for creating this outcome because I think that's what, like, all of those inputs are trying to get us to the place where we're doing that, but it's hard to describe, like, what that outcome actually is that we expect PMs to be creating. Totally, and I, I think, like, what what I think is even more difficult is, is for people to, to understand that the outcome that you're maybe driving towards on a squad or a team is a function of things that are that are maybe hard, like a specification, but also soft, like like inspiration or motivation, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, one of the things we work with on the PMs is that is that like you want to get your engineers bought into a feature or project just because like they're gonna probably make better decisions like on a micro level, like every minute, every hour if they're excited or motivated or understand the context, it's like hard to quantify that. But like, I think if you work in product long enough, it's just so clear the teams that like have that and then the teams that don't, right? And and like, you just see it in the outputs, right? Whether it's numbers or in the demos or whatever, you're like, wow, those, that's like a really cohesive delivery of software, like relative to, you know, a work stream where everyone's just throwing things over the fence. Right. So then how do you think about the role that, running experiments and A-B testing and data, like what role does that actually play in in the job of a PM versus these other skills? Yeah. So, I mean, I think obviously, you know, I started in product, the infrastructure around data was just way worse, you know? So like you wouldn't just A-B test everything. Like an A-B test would take like five months to potentially wire mm-hmm. up. And so like you wouldn't even really contemplate doing that. It would sort of be like, you just sort of launch it and you look at pre-post and like, you know, you call it a day. And it's interesting because like we've, 
like I, I sometimes yearn for that a little bit because I think we've moved to the other end of the spectrum where everything now has instrumentation and you can you can feature flag or like A B anything. And then it's a huge part of like the job now in recruiting, like a lot of product orgs are looking for really, really strong quant people who can run a bunch of tests, look at the A B test data and be like, this wins, this loses. I think it's unfortunate because I think it's part of the toolkit, but I don't think it's the entire toolkit. I think it's one input. So is all of the qualitative sort of data that you can get. So is talking to users. So is talking to stakeholders and understanding your competition. And ultimately the roadmap or the decisions should be like a function of all of those things with A-B testing being like one very, very useful sort of tool, but not the entirety of, of like how a product manager operates. Right. Yeah. If you just are focusing on, well, I, you know, I wrote the spec and then I ran the test, you may never know why anything is happening versus actually understanding what is the business problem you're solving and how are users using your product and you know what are the workflows and like why are all these things happening the way that they're happening. And I think like you just said the why, like that is the job, right? Like for product in general, it's all about knowing the why, right? Like your future decisions or the future products you invest in like usually are hypotheses that stem from being able to explain the why on one thing and that leads to something else. And so if the PM can't get to the why, like it's really a problem. And it's like kind of crazy now how often I see, you know, there'll be like a readout meeting or whatever. And hey, okay, we tested this. And then it's like up 2%. Everyone's like really happy. They're like, oh man, this is like, then someone has like the significance thing and like, oh, it's significant too. And like the team's celebrating, right? And and everyone's like so excited. And then somebody in the room will have the courage to be like, do we understand what happened? And Mm -hmm. everyone's like, oh no because we don't really know, but it's up. So like, why don't we, well, let's just forget about that and let's just roll forward. But like that to me is really, really scary because it's it's kind of like, ultimately, like I wouldn't even roll that forward. I'd be like, if we can't answer why, mm-hmm. that, that's a loss. That's like, that's a lose. And that maybe is noise or something, but like, I don't know what to do with like an A-B test win where we have really no idea what happened. Right. And do you think that happens when you go into it without a strong hypothesis for the A-B test? That's like the obvious for sure. I think like a lot of teams will sort of not have that rigor around like what the process is going into what to, like what they're testing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I also think it's it's a little bit of like laziness, right? Of like not not fully investing in understanding all of the different things that are happening in a product area to where you're sort of just throwing things at the wall and hoping for wins. And like, I would sort of be like, if I see that happening in a squad, it's like, okay, we need to go the other direction, which is like, we need to learn a lot more. And then, so we don't feel like we're doing that. Cause like, like when I've seen it happen, there's a little bit of desperation too, right? Where you're like, we're just trying to find anything that works. I think then you have to be like, okay, well then is that, are we set up for success if we're in that sort of headspace? Yeah. Yeah. And we talked before about data analysis versus data empathy. And it sounds like that's kind of what you're getting at, which is it's one thing to be able to look at numbers and another thing to understand them and actually have a sense for why all of the stuff is happening. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think obviously definitely should inform, like, you know, I think we, we like it's, you know, the common term is like data driven versus data informed. It's a really, really tough balance, especially as the data sets get better in technology. It just becomes easier to optimize a number and then like have an algorithm, then optimize that. And then like machine learning, like, you know, there's just this like cycle of like, you can just like hyper optimize everything, but then you could end up in a world where like your overall product experience is in a way different place than it could have been if like, maybe we all just like looked at it from a totally different lens and like focused on like what's sort of like the longer term user experience we're going towards. 
So if you were to flip the role on its head away from writing requirements and running tests, what are the things that you would highlight instead? And you got at this a little bit earlier, but like, what are the specific skills or activities or things that you look for in PMs that aren't those things? I got introduced to Maggie because you tweeted about, I don't remember the exact wording of the tweet, but it was something about creating narratives and how that's yes. like a really important part of the job. I think that's sort of what, what we're building towards, which is that like ultimately being able to create a story that's rooted in like a lot of insight, a lot of like perspective on the why, and then making like a strong recommendation, like a really having a strong opinion as to where we should go in the future. Like that is, that's a really, to me, that's, that's like the most important part of the job. It impacts stakeholder buy-in. It impacts the motivation of the team. It impacts like the credibility with me. Cause I'm like, okay, well, I feel confident. Like we know where we're going. The product manager that can really put that together. Even if let's say that narrative isn't perfect, they'll at least know when it doesn't work and then they can shift the narrative. Right. But the PM that doesn't really come up with the narrative or doesn't put the effort into that, like, then it's just sort of this like grind on a bunch of like mindless features. And then everyone sort of at some point, like everyone's been a part of this work stream. Everyone's like, what is that team doing? And then, then, then there's like a huge reckoning where like, we don't really know what we're doing. And I overvalue that part of the job. Yeah. And then I also, I think you see that when a team is just shipping whatever their team name is, and then they forget why their team name even came to be. And they're like, well, we're the this team. So we that's what we do. And you can totally see that happening from a mile away. One of the challenges we've talked about, I've seen this a lot, is like there'll be a team, which is like the CRM team. And so it's like, okay, so everyone kind of knows what that means. But it's like, well, CRMs can do a lot of things. You can point them at all sorts of of areas of the customer journey. And like, I, what I would prefer would be like, okay, what's the outcome we're trying to drive towards in, the, in either a product experience or a product area? And CRM should be a mechanism to get there. Like, there's a plenty of other ones too, right? But like, and then they just work on whatever this people who work on the CRM are asking for. And it's just a backlog. And that's kind of it, right? Yeah. I've always wanted to and want to continue to avoid the idea of a product manager as someone who just manages a backlog, I to to your earlier point, I think that just doesn't that's not very interesting to do as a job, I don't think, personally. And then I also think it's just not taking advantage of the skills that, that PMs should have. To be honest, I actually think if you looked at everyone who on LinkedIn has the title of a product manager, mm-hmm. I think if we're being honest, I think like 70 to 75% of them manage backlogs for most of their day-to-day. And I know this because I interview and this is like kind of what, what it breaks down to where, you know, they think that they're doing product management, but they're really just doing backlog management for a stakeholder or an executive who sort of like just work on X. Um, and they're like, okay, well, I'm just going to get a bunch of tickets and I'm going to prioritize them. And that's product management. I would say like going back to what you said initially about like, I would start with an output, right? And then the product person's job is to like solve for that output. You know, it could even like the solution might not even be software. Like it could even be like a process, like a, like a manual process. Like I create a Google doc for my customer service team to manage this specific issue because we want to validate whether we should even build something. Like I would consider that product management, even if you didn't ship any software. But I think a lot of people sort of say like, oh, well, if it's not like ultimately a, a Jira ticket, then it's not, you know, then like they, they view it as just Jira tickets. I would just say like, it's that's like the opposite of sort of how I view the function. Yeah. And I have been thinking a lot about the fact that maybe where this comes from is that it's a lot harder to, especially if you're in one of those environments where a stakeholder is telling you, you know, this is what you should work on. It's so much harder to like, A, 
get yourself to a place where you're confident enough to push back and make your informed bet, but also to do the work to like feel confident in that. So I think it's so much easier to just say, okay, like I'll manage these tickets and I'll just ship the stuff you said I would ship. And then you're not accountable anymore because you're just doing what they said you should do. And then you can say, well, it didn't work, but like, I don't know, I did what you said. Um, (laughs) And it just takes so much more like fortitude to say, no, I decided that this was the right thing to do and I'm betting on it. I mean, I think this, this gets to like why the job is so hard and why it's so hard to hire and recruit for because you need the, a level of talent where you can go into, let's say I work at a company where like, let's say like that's a B2B company and I work very closely with the sales team. Like you need your product manager to be able to at least believe internally that they know the solution to sell for their company better than what the salespeople are telling them. Now, how do you get that? That That's really hard. Like there's like all these tactical things you can do, like do the job for a day or, you know, a, a week or a month and, you know, learn the industry. But I, I do think a little bit comes from like, you know, having a really versatile skill set to where you can empathize with any different sort of user internally or externally. And honestly, like consume any aspects of data or feedback and like synthesize all that and then come up with a vision of like where it should go. The stakeholder is a really important input, but it should not be the end all be all. In fact, like the best PMs can convince the stakeholder that somehow they want to go where the PM wants to go. <laughs> like they've somehow created the win-win. That takes like a lot of art more than science. Yeah. And one thing that I've, I've also noticed is that sometimes it seems like a stakeholder might have a really strong opinion and you might think that it's harder to change their mind than it, than it actually is because what they're doing is just seeing a vacuum and trying to fill it. So it might, they might not even want to tell you what to do, but if you don't decide what you're going to do, they're, they have to. And so I've seen that play out too, where it's like, well, you didn't pick it. So I had to pick it, but I didn't want to. Like, I would love it if you were to come to me and say, no, 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 this is the better idea. Yeah, totally. I, I think like I think that's I think like the primary sort of issue usually is that like the product person isn't like out in front just coming in strong with where it could go. And so if it's like if we're if if I have to make a choice, do this, right? I think that happens a lot. One of the bigger challenges, especially in smaller companies, I think PMs run into is like you're dealing with maybe credibility issues in the product and engineering org that preceded you. Stakeholders are like, well, I, product has never done in the past, never in the past showed us where we're going to go. They've barely delivered the problems that I'm facing today. And so like, I feel like I have to just micromanage them to tell them to do, to fix this fire. And, and I think it's like, I think the PM is a little intimidated of like, man, we're like, we're at really the basic level here if we're talking about like the fire today. But over time, hopefully you can build credibility and empathy as a product manager and you can start shifting the conversation to where we need to go in the future. And and maybe, maybe like it might even mean like there's points in my career where like I had to sort of sacrifice some of the future stuff to build credibility by just getting some things out that made the stakeholder happy. And then I was like, okay, n- now we're on a good enough sort of like footing where I can be like, we need to look further out and we need to do these things. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think... Showing, not telling is the number one thing that you want to do in whatever form that takes. This is the type of PM that I think we all want want to be. We more, I would, I would say, hopefully everyone wants to be. So, how do you help people get there? Because because it, it's it's easy for us to have this conversation, but like, okay, let's say I'm a PM, I'm one of those people on LinkedIn, and I'm I'm really just grooming backlogs. Like, how do I get the mentorship or the skills to be the other type of PM? This is a, a a meaty question, but I think there's a few things. I think one, a macro sort of problem is like, is the company you're at, like, uh, do they believe in 
trying to help people learn and grow. And I know that's like a super vague statement. And there's, you know, every company is like, oh, we do training budgets. And but I actually think it comes down to the culture. Like, does the culture care about teaching people and letting them grow in ways that are like beyond just really, really day-to-day things. And and like, so what does that tactically mean? That means like, if let's say I'm not good at this skill, is my manager going to sit in a meeting about this? And then like after the meeting, like be like, okay, let's go back and redo that entire one hour meeting. Like, let's do it again, but like try to do these three things. So you're, you're like focusing more on a narrative. I think there's a lot of companies that say they care about this stuff, but like they don't spend that hour like actually trying to coach and like, you know, make something better. They'll maybe like give you feedback in a performance review or, or later on. But like, but by that point, like it's, we're talking in generalities, right? You're like, right. Oh, uh, you don't do good jobs in narratives. There was one meeting three months ago where that didn't really come across. Like, that's just not helpful. Like for me as a PM, like I would want to know, like literally like either in the meeting or right after, like, I almost think like if you've ever played sports, like you know, if you just watch like a basketball game, like the coach is telling the point guard, like what to do in the moment and like giving active feedback. Like, I think really good managers are doing that. Like, and they're, and it's like, let's course correct, or let's change the strategy. Like, here's where I'm at. I shouldn't wait for one-on-ones or like end of quarter, like, you know, summaries to do that. And so I think that's like the first thing is just like a learning culture, especially in the manager level. I would say like this, you know, the second thing is, when you're sort of like actually like I think there's an overemphasis on giving feedback just to like documents, right? Like whether it's specs or like strategy decks or whatever. And I think that like more emphasis needs to be placed on like some of the soft interactions. Like, do your engineers feel heard? Do your stakeholders, do they seem like they really respect like where product is going or not? I think that like when I read product reviews, it focuses a lot on some of the really, really tactical things that we talked about earlier, as opposed to like some of the things that are harder to see. Yeah. Well, it's also harder to have those conversations because they're more uncomfortable, right? Like giving someone going on a document and saying, oh, like this number doesn't make sense or this whatever is wrong with this thing. That's one thing. But saying the way that you phrased that didn't land for me in that meeting. And this is the and you, you missed an opportunity to like create a better environment with your engineers or something like that. It's just a weirder, less easy thing to talk about. And so I think I, I would guess people just avoid it. I think in general, people across the board will like do the easiest thing in a general sense. I think individuals may be different, but generally speaking, that's true. And I think like with this, it's the same thing where like, it's so much easier to do the, that sort of sort like, like it's kind of like course correcting on like evaluating work as opposed to like things that are, I would even say some of that feedback is super, is very subjective. Like I've had scenarios where I've been like, my read on that meeting is like, we don't, we didn't get the message across to X stakeholder. I could be wrong, honestly. And so there's some risk to giving feedback about that. I still think it's important. And I have faith that I think that like, I'm reading that stuff well. I think like people try to just look at the things that are like, it's very black or white. That's only a small part of like, you know, the entire sort of toolkit, especially in product management. Yeah, I'm I'm thinking I had a DM exchange earlier today that I think is a decent example of some of this where someone received a bunch of feedback and it didn't land in the way that I think it was intended. And then we had a conversation about you can be frustrated about this or you can like step back, understand where it was coming from, or 
to level it up, what you could say is like, you could go and talk to that person and say like, this is where your feedback landed for me. And like, I don't think you're seeing the impact of your words. And like this, this is the type of framing of that question that would help me give you better answers in the future. So like, we just had to talk through how to react to this question and like the different options that they had to respond. But that's like, it just takes time to notice that that's happening and to talk through it when of course there's, you know, 800 meetings happening. I totally agree. I think that like, it's like, it's one of those things that just like gets pushed under the rug, even though it's like maybe one of the bigger drivers of like somebody's potential career trajectory or professional development. Yeah. And then I think another thing that we talked about a little bit is like how this changes maybe as a individual PM up to managers. So is there any difference in that type of work as you become a manager and a leader, or is it just the same thing with more scope? I think like one of the biggest challenges with management in general is you're increasingly making decisions that more likely than not have higher degrees of confidence in them. So what do I mean by that? So like, let's say I, I am doing an A-B test. I know we've like trashed on A-B tests, but <laughs> they're very useful. So let's say I did like A-B, uh, like a redesign of a page and we have significance on variant, you know, B and like, it's like super clear that that was the amazing and there's a ton of left. Like the product management decision is actually pretty easy. You're like, okay, let's move forward here, right? When you're when you're like, when you're thinking about like product leadership decisions, th- they actually have a lot less sort of certainty, right? So it's like if we're going to fund a new initiative, right? Which means like we're going to hire a PM and designer, a squad of engineers. Like we maybe did a bunch of discovery and like analysis work up front, but like there is some aspect of that which is like a bet, right? Same can be said for like you know I spend a lot of time hiring and I believe in our process. I believe in all the energy we put, but like there's some degree of failure that comes with hiring like at any in any company. And so I would say like part of the problem that I see with an increase in like PMs that are very much like uh, we need to run A/B tests and make decisions that way is product as it as you get more senior like increasingly means that you have to make really tough decisions or have opinions on things that you don't have the same like 95% certainty on and so you know if PMs aren't comfortable doing that i think they're going to struggle in leadership roles and i've seen this like where it's like oh i don't know how to have an opinion on this cuz we don't have like a lot of certainty around mm-hmm what we're doing. And so then you have to make these decisions of like, do we want to spend more time trying to increase that certainty from maybe 64% to 68%? Or do we want to make a decision and live with the fact that we could be wrong X percentage of the time and we want, and we're still right more than we're wrong? I think that that is a huge gap between like the product manager sort of mentality and the product leadership mentality. And I think maybe like the second thing is that, you know, I think as you get more senior in your career, you're now trying to get a lot of, you're definitely trying to get a lot of support and build coalitions around bigger things in the company. And so the degree of which the narratives need to be really, really good just increases in in quality. And so if you're not good at that at an IC level with four engineers and a designer, you're going to really struggle with, you know, a CMO and a, you know a sales leader who's phenomenal at that, and you know a CTO. Like, it, it, the, the, you know, everybody at that level to some extent is a product manager. Like, and so they're all they all have their own narratives, and so somebody in, who, who's not really really good at that, I think, will will end up like you know being a lot less effective. Yeah, there was an example. This is rare. I have so many examples this week, um, but there was one that happened earlier this week where I think. Again, okay, I'm an IC. How do I get better at the skill? One thing to look out for, and this uh, PM was experiencing this, where they were they were trying to make a decision between two things, um, like which thing to prioritize. And 
they had all this analysis they had done. They had looked at like every lever. They had all these different, they had like a million charts and they were kind of talking through like, okay, well, we could do this and this is this data. We could do the second thing. I have all this data, like all this stuff. And then we just had to ask them like, what does your gut say? Like, which, which one is it? And the person was like, well, it's option A. And then the whole room was just like, well, just do option A. Like you can just do, you can just make a call. Like there's not a right answer. And I think that's the mindset you're talking about, which is like, there isn't actually a right answer and you have to make a bet and you have to figure out how to live with that. And it's so funny because like, I, I'm sure that in the example you're mentioning, like it was probably a very liberating feeling. Yeah. Cause she was trying so hard to like, you know, come to the right answer and like back it up with data. And I was like, well, y- clearly that's the worst problem. Like just go solve it. When I'm interviewing for product, one of the things that we do is we'll, we'll ask very open-ended case questions and there actually isn't any right answer, like intentionally. And what I'll often ask is like, why should X company build this? And then I'll ask, why should they not build it? And I'll basically put the, the, the candidate in a weird scenario where they're, they're arguing for something and then they're arguing against something. And then I'll usually end by saying like, so what would you do? You'll see a lot of times product managers who aren't comfortable with making recommendations or having taking a stand will just be spinning. And they'll be like, oh man, it's crazy in an interview I'm having to like decide whether so-and-so company is going to build some really interesting product. And the reality is like what, I'm look- what I want to see is like, there's no right answer. It's just to just be decisive, have mm-hmm. conviction, and then have substance behind your opinion. And beyond that, like, you know, I think that like you, you learn and then you, you make those decisions better and better as more sort of inputs come. Right. We talked about this a little bit before as well, but how, how do you help people understand where they can go to find these cultures? Like, sounds great. I want to be a part of a culture like that. Like, how do I figure out if like what type of company I should join? I at least believe that product is an apprenticeship model and you sort of learn from the people around you. And it's going to be really hard to learn the stuff if you're not, like you mentioned earlier, in an environment that supports it. So like, what's your advice for how PM should evaluate or try to suss this out from the team? Really, really high level, I would just say like product, when you're interviewing, you know, and you get further in the process, like, you know, you're talking to more and more product managers. And I do think it starts to become a little bit clear, like whether the product org is generally focused more on like the tickets or are they more focused on like the bigger picture of what the product organization is trying to do for the for the user or for the business. My assumption would be like, you know, an org that like is, is more focused just on like the backlog stuff, like just isn't, you're likely is never going to value like growing people in the way that you're mentioning. So that's like one thing to look for. I think like the quality of the managers is another one, right? Like are the managers people that are just like the best sort of product manager that got promoted or are they are they really focused on like the craft of product management and trying to teach people on how to do that and right so like i would i would ask questions of like what is your view of product management like how would you define the role but like to me that tells you a lot more about a company than like tell me about your culture which is like the question i get those are just some ideas i think it, to be honest it's it's not the easiest thing to screen for a little bit of it is just like innate and sort of like, I would even say like the type of questions they ask, right? Like, is it an interview process that's introspective or is it an interview process that's like asking you redundant questions about projects that the company has no context on? And I think the latter probably tells you that like they're, they're not being really thoughtful about how to grow their people. Yeah. Although I will, I will admit, and I've admitted this in the past that the case questions I super struggle with because I have trouble like in a no context space, like figuring out what to do. Cause I'm like, well, I would go ask these five questions, but without the answer, like, I, I don't know. I actually don't have a great answer to that. Cause that, that is the, the suit, the weakness, right? Like I, I definitely yeah. have 
case questions. So I'll be like, how did, how did Uber build uh, Uber Eats? And then someone's like, I never use Uber. And I'm like, oof, this is tough. Uh, <laughs> I, I think you, you got to choose things that are super general, like consumer products and stuff. Cause I think most people have used an Apple product, whatever. Right. But, but I, I think it like, I think interviews are really hard in general in product because you're spending what, like three or four hours trying to determine some of the skills we're talking about in, in this, in this conversation. It's like, these are like really, really specific things that are, it's just like really hard to pick up on in an interview. And, and I've been wrong many times where I'm like, wow, that person had X, Y, and Z. And then when it comes down to it, like a lot of these things are just like, I'm like, how could I have tested that? I'm not sure. Yeah. And I think some people interview really well and some people not so well. And it doesn't, as, as you know, doesn't always end up being how they act in real life. If someone had an answer for that or a product to solve that better, I would buy it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then maybe it would help me be less terrible at interviewing. Okay. So then I guess last question for you is what's your advice to PMs who are like trying to get better, who want to get better, who maybe haven't been able to find that awesome company that has the like perfect mentor? Like what can they be doing to get better? Yeah, it's a really, it's a good, it's a good question. So I think like what's changed at least in the last five years compared to when I joined product management is like, there's just way more resources that are out there that cover these, like the topics that I'm talking. I mean, I don't think they're anything that original. Like there's a lot of content now, either product manager influencers who I think Maggie, you're on your, on your <laughs> way to being a, one. That's such a weird phrase that I don't know how to think about, but yes. I used to be like, I, there was a few people who I could like share their stuff and I'm like, wow, that's an amazing article. Now it's like, it's like kind of like, you can't even do that now. Cause like everybody's already looking at that stuff anyways. Yeah. So I do think that there's a lot of really like great resources there. I would also say like, there is something to be said about being in different companies and cultures. Like if you take the long view of a career, like I do think having exposure to different environments helps people grow that confidence and conviction in the type of product manager they, that they're in. And so like, if you're, let's say in one of those role, like companies right now, I don't think it's a bad thing. I think it actually will hopefully help you inform like how, how it could be different in a future environment. And frankly, like, you know, if you can help change the culture and in, in the place you're at and show product sort of being in a little bit different of a lens, I think that that's like an amazing like development professionally that can you know take you to different heights either th that role or, the, or future roles and, and I would say like lastly like just in the small like the most minute sort of way to handle your day to day one of the things I push with our team all the time is like just have opinions have like opinions on things like get really really comfortable with like ending a meeting or whatever like taking a pretty strong stance on a decision, like a level of scope that we agreed on. And, you know, I think that like over time, it's just a muscle that like gets better and better and becomes frankly, like we talked about more important in the leadership level. Yeah. Awesome. Robbie, I love that. I love ending on just having opinions. I think that's a fabulous advice. So thank you so much for coming on the show and teaching us what the role actually should be. Thank you for having me. <laughs> 